Today's episode is brought to you by DEI Navigator from the Diversity Movement. Here's the deal. More than 80% of organizations have already taken action on diversity, equity, and inclusion. But if you're one of the people who's suddenly in charge of leading those DEI efforts, there's a good chance you're feeling overwhelmed, confused, and alone. That's why the diversity movement created DEI Navigator. This new monthly membership service is designed exclusively for small to medium-sized businesses who are committed to DEI action and results. It's everything you need all in one place. Access to proven business leaders and certified diversity executives, expert curated content, how-to guides, training, and a community of peers sharing their ideas and lessons learned. All at a fraction of the cost of hiring a full-service DEI consultancy. For more information, head on over to thediversitymovement.com slash AU. That's thediversitymovement.com slash AU. All right, let's get to the show. Hey, this is Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence, here to tell you that this special episode of Equity Raise was recorded live on the roof of American Underground as part of the Google for Startups Black Founders Exchange program. And one of the cohorts of this year's Black Founders Exchange is the guest host today, Desby McDaniel, CEO of Clinispan. Enjoy the episode. And you know what he told me, man? And I'll never forget this. He said, at that moment, you weren't ready. He said, if you really want to take this thing from being an expensive hobby to a real business, you got to create some real models, right? You've got to start to think about how doing good can get you paid. If you're talking to somebody that can move the needle for you and they like what you're doing, they're going to want to know how they can be helpful to you because that's how winners are engineered. So you have to know what you want and be willing to ask. And then when you ask, some people will help, some people won't. But if you ask enough, you'll find people that are in your path for the right moment and and they'll open doors for you. Welcome to Equity Race, leveling the landscape for diverse founders and their VCs. Brought to you again by the diversity movement, I am Desi McDaniel. I'm co-founder and CEO of Clinspan Health, uh, and we are recording this in person at the Google for Startups Black Founders Exchange. Uh, let's get a round Woo! of applause. All right, so we have heard before, right, the statistics around Black founders. Uh, less than 3% of us end up with venture capital funding, and as a Black founder myself, I've experienced the ups and downs of these raises uh, as we have all been discussing uh, today and all week, right? Um, So on this podcast, we want to feature founders who have overcome the odds to raise some money to grow their businesses. So what we're going to do, we're going to jump right in. Today, we're joined by Greg Hedgepeth, CEO of Substantial Magazine. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, We also are joined by Donald Thompson, who is CEO of the Diversity Movement and an angel investor. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, of course. Uh, so I, first of all, I was actually in an NCIDEA micro cohort with Greg. Yes. So I actually have a prior relationship with him and know him as an amazing entrepreneur um, and actually was privy to his relationship with Donald Thompson. So I am very stoked to be here with these guys today. So 
Thank you all for uh, be being here. here and for having me here with y'all. So Absolutely. let's get into some questions, right? Greg, yeah, let's, do it. Absolutely. let's start with you. Uh, I really would love to start with what is your why? You know, why did you get started as an entrepreneur and with Substantial Magazine specifically? Oh, my goodness. So first and foremost, I will not bore you with the all the intricate details of who I am and my why, right? But there is a long story. I'm a born and raised country boy from Halifax County, North Carolina, right? I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with that. And my why started a long time ago because I'm a firm believer that words, when carefully arranged, have purpose and they live well on after us, right? Mm -hmm. And so Nelson Mandela said it best. He said, there's no passion to be found playing small mm -hmm. for settling for a life that is less than the one that you are capable of living. Mm -hmm. That was said to me a long time ago, right? Along with this notion of, son, you have to have a reason to exist in this world. Right. And so I feel as though my purpose, my why is to ensure that others understand that. Right. And that we as a people have the opportunity to lift up the amazing stories and black voices that are around us and ensure that they understand, too, that they are nothing less than substantial. Mm. Right. That is the reason for the name of my company, that we are of considerable importance, size and worth, mm -hmm. that we are strongly built and made. We are the essentials of things. And so I want to make sure that my folks in my community know that and that everybody that's mm -hmm. looking in at my community. Right. That for how many ever years have thought anything less than of us now understand just how substantial we are. So that's my why, man. Like, yeah. that's why I do what I do. Why I'm huge. so passionate about it. That's huge. That's I, I think why passion. this guy <laughs> kind of, you know, like wrote me one time. and was like, hey, man, like, I want to know more about that. Yeah, that's with hilarious. that said, let's transition. How did you meet Don? How did you meet Donald? Please tell us exactly how that happened. Absolutely, <laughs> man. So I'm a, again, y'all, I'm a religious person, right? I was, I was born in a Baptist church in Halifax County. That's, that's two things. One, I can go. I can talk all day. And I firmly believe in there, there is someone that has already written this thing out for us, mm. right? And so I'll never forget. So a uh, quick background. I am not only an entrepreneur. I got like one foot in the door, one foot out the door. I also serve as director of marketing communications at North Carolina State University's graduate school. And I've had the opportunity to also be a professor at Shaw University mm. in the mass comms and digital technology space, a number of different things, right? Long story short, I'll never forget it. Someone, one of my colleagues at NC State goes, you need to know Donald Thompson, right? Because as black creatives, especially in the marketing and communications, public relations space, y'all, we like less than 1% of 1%, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so anytime you see us, and especially us as CEOs of creative firm, like we got to know each other, mm -hmm. right? We've got to like find ways to talk and mentor and communicate. And so I reach out to Don for no other reason than to simply say, I need to know you, sir. Mm -hmm. I need to know your path. I need to know how you got where you got, like the challenges, the struggles, all of that. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to be having uh, a symposium on NC State's Centennial Campus. I understand that you're on NC State's Centennial Campus. Mm -hmm. How about walk up and be one of the panelists for my Black Land Symposium that I'll be hosting, mm -hmm. right? Where we're going to be, again in real time talking about some of the challenge and isms and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And just like that, Donald said, not only will I come, I want to know more about it, right? Like, I want to know, like, how I can get involved. Yep. Uh, and it was a five-minute conversation that led to a 15-minute phone call, and the rest is history. Wow. Like, the rest is truly history, wow. man. That's a powerful story. <laughs> I actually want to ask you, Don, Donald, then. Yeah. Can you describe kind of what that experience was like uh, meeting, connecting with Greg from your perspective? 
So one of the things that if you've had any level of success in your life, right, you didn't do it by yourself and you didn't open all the doors on your own. As I've gone through my career, I'm very open to a cup of coffee with someone that believes I can be helpful. Mm. My answer to people is yes. It's just a function of how do we calendar it mm-hmm. and how do we get it together? But the answer is yes. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a part of the give back. Mm-hmm. But number two, how do you stay relevant if you're not listening to people's new ideas and dreams and goals? Mm, How do you stay on the cutting edge if you think you have all the answers versus seeking them? Mm. And so when Greg made that call, it was easy for me to say yes, because that's just part of my process in learning and growing. Mm. But as you heard, the enthusiasm backed up by the work, backed up by the process of what he was doing, my easy answer to the speaking engagement was yes. But I wanted to watch how he delivered that program. Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch who else he was able to touch. And so I was evaluating that piece. Mm -hmm. And so when he talked to me about his uh, entrepreneurial ambitions and different things, we started to chat a little bit and it was just natural to to be a part of it. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss the boat is that they don't ask Mm, right for that 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. And I'll say this one thing that I think is really important and and it's maybe not the question, but uh, I think it's important. If you ask me for an hour, then that's 500 to a thousand dollars. If you ask me for 15 minutes, then that's something easy for me to give. Mm. So if you ask a busy person for too big an ask, then they're putting it through a different calculus. Mm. But if you have a single question and a mm. finite amount of time, that makes it easy for that entrepreneur to say, sure, I'll give you 15 minutes. Mm. And in that 15 minutes, then it's your job to earn more time. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I sell as a business development professional in the technology space. That's the way I evaluate time is I don't have a big ask up front, I have a simple ask because I want people to get in the process of saying yes to me, Mm. right? And then in that process, then I determine whether or not it's fruitful for that individual and me to spend more time together. Mm -hmm. And I think we miss because number one, we're afraid to ask for what we want. We think people are bigger than life. When everyone is just trying to do good things for their family, Mm -hmm. they're trying to chase their dreams and their goals, and they're trying to look for connections and contacts that they can make a better way. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of simple. The difference, however, and, and now, and I'll share this, this frustrated me a little bit because I said yes to someone the other day and they got on the phone, a recommendation from somewhere else. And then they said, well, Don, tell me about your business. I was like, yo, hold on. I'm good. <laughs> right. I, I need you about to, me. I, I need you to at least like read, like I'm not a big shot, mm-hmm. but I'm saying if I take five to seven minutes to tell you about my business, now you're chipping away at your mm-hmm. clock to tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. And so I told her about my business and she asked another question. I told her about my business. In 15 minutes, I still got to go, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And so the other thing I recommend for entrepreneurs is, right, when you're making your ask, know what you want the outcome to be. That's Mm -hmm. good. Because if you're talking to somebody that can move the needle for you and they like what you're doing, they're going to want to know how they can be helpful to you Mm -hmm. because that's how winners are engineered. They can buy coffee on their own or the virtual thing. They want to know how they can help you. Mm -hmm. So you have to know what you want Mm -hmm. and be willing to ask. And then when you ask, some people will help, some people won't. But if you ask enough, you'll find people that are in your path for the right moment and, and they'll open doors for you. That's good. Wow. That was really powerful. Greg, you must be great at making those small ass, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, man, anytime I get on with this guy, it really is. I need y'all to understand this. 15 minutes. It is not 16 minutes. It's not 17 minutes. And every so often, 
I know I hit him in the right spot. If he goes, hey, look, let's get, uh, so let's calendar another meeting. I want to talk more about that. <laughs> Bet I got another 15 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm out here winning because I'm setting strategy when I talk to him. Yeah. Hey, I'm look. like, all right, I got five. Look, hold on. These are the bullet points. I want to make sure. Hey, Don, real quick, how you doing? Good. Look, I want to dive right into it because I ain't got but 15 minutes with you. Immediately, y'all. Here's, here's what I'll tell you. And whether these are your questions or not, but now we're into it yeah. with this, with this guy. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've made enough mistakes to identify conversations that matter. Mm. I'm not some kind of, I've just listened to enough pitches, enough people to understand conversations that matter. And what is interesting is if you talk to somebody and your hook works, you'll get more time mm. because you hit the motivation button of the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And all of us have a what's in it for me type of dialogue. Yep. I had no idea how to build a digital magazine. I'm going to need to know that. Mm -hmm. So when we were relaunching something with Substantial, the marketing company I was running at the time, I'm now the chairman, we promoted a woman of color to be the CEO, and so I've backed off of that, and now I'm running the diversity movement. But we put two, three, four people on his project. Did yes. we charge you? Nope. Well, Because he had knowledge about how to deliver a digital content piece that my marketing agency didn't understand. Mm. We had social media experts, writers, and editors that mm -hmm. he needed. So mm -hmm. we shared that knowledge, and we both gained from it. Mm. That's huge. And now we're leveraging that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we think about entrepreneurship, we think about content and different things. It's really about, and here's an interesting thing, because before, I don't know, two and a half years ago, my brand was marketing. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm the DEI guy, mm -hmm. right? Well, how does that happen? Well, number one, you have to educate yourself in a pursuit you're going after. Mm -hmm. Number two, you've got to figure out a way that the market needs what you have in a way that's different. So diversity, equity, inclusion is a top-level topic right now. Mm -hmm. But we've productized the DEI journey. Mm. So we've created a portfolio of digital content that you can drop into your information system, your CRM, your, your learning management system, if you will, in your company. So your employees log in, single sign-on, and a two- to three-minute DEI video pops up. Because who has time for six-hour DEI training? Yep. Hashtag nobody. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right? So then we created a product innovation in a macro environment. So we're moving with the crescendo of DEI, but we're moving in a different lane because we've added technology, mm -hmm. data, analytics to it. Mm -hmm. And so what we're all trying to do, and we're talking about raising money, I'm going through that too. So one of your questions was, how is it raising money as a black founder? It's hard as shit. Mm. Preach. It's difficult. That's what yeah. I don't, I don't know, like it's difficult. Yep, most definitely. Right? <laughs> now, why is it difficult? How do you break that down? And then how do you overcome it? Mm -hmm. Like, that's really, like, the, the crux of it. So, number one, it's difficult because our networks aren't wired to the conversation before the conversation. Mm, that's good. We're doing pitches cold. Mm -hmm. That means your odds are low. Yep. But if I go into a meeting where people know me and reputation goes before me, introduction goes before me, the pitch is easier. Mm. I won't name drop, but I went, to an, I went to a meeting where I knew three people on the committee. Mm. That pitch was easy. They gave us money. Mm. Now, if that worked for me in that context, how many pitches did I go in where somebody else had that advantage? Mm, that's good. That's a great thought. See, you think you're winning or losing in some kind of fair playing field. And the best thing that my parents taught me of all the things they taught me is the world is not fair because you hope it to be. You have to win with the cards you're dealt. Mm -hmm. And once I understood that, then microaggressions, lack of opportunity, all these different things that are true, that do affect us, they didn't affect me emotionally every time they came up. 
because I was already trained and tempered and ready that the world was not fair for me. Mm. So then I had to get my intellectual weaponry ready to win regardless. Mm. The reason that's important is a lot of times when we hit resistance, we step back because we think the resistance is more powerful than, than it is. If you know it's coming and you can put your emotional armor, then it's just next phone call. Yep. Right? Good. And you just pick it up and you go. And you pick it up and you go. Yeah. We had, listen, pitch after pitch after pitch. We had one, we had one VC. And here's what we learned. VCs aren't our jam right now. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear what we're saying. They don't want to talk to us. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Because VCs, even though they're innovative, are follow the model, follow the pattern. That's mm -hmm. good. So if you have mm -hmm. something that's truly new, you're going to meet with a lot of different resistance because it doesn't follow a particular pattern. Mm -hmm. Angel investors for us and angel groups were more receptive. Mm, I see. And that's something that we had to figure out after 35 to 50 pitches. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After me going to venture this or that, I was like, man, this ain't my jam. Yeah. Like, this ain't my spot. <laughs> right? And, and so I was listening to the companies that were succeeding. I was looking at what I was doing. Yep. I said, this is going to be my spot in maybe two years. Mm. They weren't mistreating me. They just weren't ready to hear me. Mm, that's good. I see. And because I knew that, I didn't get mad. I just went back to the hotel room on the other side of, across the street and I started making phone calls. Mm. Because what I did understand people would hear me is if I have 100 customers, $3 million in revenue, $5 million pipeline, if I have global clients that are working with us, if Fuji is a company, if the uh, Country Music Awards are a company, if we're talking, like, if you have game, then you need money to get you started, but you got to figure out how to win without it at some level so your walk is different. You have to figure out how to do it without it. So I wanted to put a question yeah. back to Greg, right? For Substantial Magazine, um, what did you do early for early funding and getting this off of the ground? Like what were some of the things that you were going through, thinking through and leveraging to get Substantial Magazine off of the ground initially? Yeah, that's a great question. And I just got to say, it for me, you know, what time, talent, treasure do I have? Mm -hmm. I think each and every one of us in this room, I can echo, like, how am I going to bootstrap this thing? Like, how am I going to make this thing something before I can ever even go out and ask anybody for anything, mm -hmm. right? And for me, that's exactly what it was. I took, you know, they, they always say that between your knowledge, your skill set, your passion, somewhere in that intersection is your life's work. And for me, being in the marketing communication space, like, I grew up taking photographs, doing videography. I grew up building websites, right? So now how, if I can do that for these uh, institutions of higher learning, why can't I do that for myself, mm -hmm. right? I can go out and I can ask Black Legacy Press, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What challenges are you seeing? And then be of service in that space. Mm -hmm. And for my, for my service, I want knowledge. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me what are some of the things that Black journalists are mm -hmm. going through. How are you going out in community and identifying story? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of bartering took place for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was a lot of like, I'm always telling people I make 28 hours out of a 24 hour day and they always go, huh? I said, that just means that I, I steal from tomorrow, right? Like I'm, I'm always working. I'm always thinking of what that next something is mm -hmm. to get me to that space and place where it can be useful, not only to me, but to substantial, mm -hmm. right? And, and for me, that's how it started, man in building something that people saw enough value in to then want to give a little bit of their time, talent, and treasure, right? 
Like when I tell you, like we had a staff of people that were just volunteering, but they were do-gooders. Yep. They were like, oh my God, we're changing the world. And in my mind, I was going, yes, we are. We're telling black stories. Like, and people were so excited about it. We would get people in a room like this and we would network and mingle and all types of things were happening. And so that user experience, right? That, that part of it that was like, yo, this happened because of substantial. Mm-hmm. That began to showcase. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we started to say, like he said, like find our jam. Yep. Like we knew we weren't going to be able to go out there and ask some huge venture capitalist for a million dollars to tell black stories in Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> I need y'all to understand. Y'all looked at me funny when I just said that. <laughs> like what? Black stories, Eastern North Carolina? <laughs> North Carolina in general? Like, so what did we do? We went to, to family, friends. We went to those folks mm-hmm. that were within that ecosystem and that community that saw value add in this, mm-hmm. right? They knew that it wasn't going to be a, a huge return on the investment of that, but they wanted to do it because mm-hmm. they understood the passion. My wife says this, and I think I said it to Donna when we first met. I say, listen, man, I'm just looking for somebody that may not believe in the dream, but they believe in the dreamer Mm. and my ability to go Mm. out there and get it done. That's powerful. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that to me was how we were able to go out and slowly gain traction Mm -hmm. and influence. And with traction and influence, hear me well, there are a lot more important things than money, but it takes money to do all of those very important things. Mm -hmm. And traction and influence only comes and attracts money and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. While you know me as the host of the Equity Raise podcast, I'm also the founder and CEO of Utopia Spa and Global Wellness. As a founder and former corporate professional, I truly understand how stressed we are. With 72% of entrepreneurs suffering with mental health challenges, I knew that we needed to do something in creating a digital wellness platform that's addressing global burnout and the future of work and wellness. Utopia Spa and Global Wellness offers live and on-demand virtual classes, such as mindfulness, yoga, Pilates, cultural movement, wellness coaching, workshops, and retreats. You see, we're helping people show up as their healthiest and happiest selves daily. Also helping employers achieve their talent, retention, recruitment, and productivity goals. Our multicultural holistic approach to wellness celebrates mindful diversity, inclusion, and belonging. To learn how you can get started today, head on over to utopiasgw.com. Again, utopiasgw.com. Now let's get back to the show. So with traction and influence, you know, a follow-up question I have is, when did you start thinking about more formal fundraising, you know, an angel investor, like when, when did this start going through your head and, you know, when did you start planning and and executing strategies for that? When we began to think about scalability, right? When we started to think that, Hey, it's going to take more than just Greg's time, talent, and treasure. Hmm. Like the folks that were volunteering were like, look, man, I got, I got a real job too. (laughs) Like I ain't going to be able to give you all my time and work and pay the bills. Take that money to do that, right? It took money to do that, right? When you start to think about like, Oh my God, like even when some of the asks were, would I do that for free? Like, oh, would you go to Atlanta and cover this event, but it's about North Carolina? Like, look, pause. I would not do that for free. So I know I can't ask somebody else to do that for free, right? And so as I was putting my own treasure, my own money 
into this, right? Because if I ain't willing to invest my own money, how I'm gonna play with somebody else's? That's right. Very real. Right? So that's real. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that. And I'll never forget it, man. One of uh, my business mentors, older gentleman, that when we applied, because we always found ourselves applying for like grant opportunities and mm -hmm. any type of funding, right? Whether it was $5 or 5,000. We were like, <laughs> yo, we want to be a part of that. We want to find a way to get into this. And long story short, um, like we got denied this like small time grant in, for the city of Greenville. But we were already partnering with the city of Greenville oh, to wow. host like this huge minority women business enterprise um, uh, award show during Med Week and Minority Enterprise Development Week and all of that. But then the city didn't want to give us money, right? And I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> but you know what the gentleman told me? Which again, to this day, after he told me no, he looked at me in my face and he said, hey, listen, I want you to give me a call. And I said, oh, wow, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> tore me up. He's the only brother in the room. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of, forget, bunch of white folks in the room, that one brother. And I immediately looked at him it was like, oh, my God, he gets me. <laughs> right? Me and you locked eyes. I'm like, brother, look, man, substantial is and substantial does and black and black and black community and black and black. And my man said no. <laughs> and then I come back. And you know what he told me, man? And I'll never forget this. He said, at that moment, you weren't ready. Hmm. Right? But with polish, with just a little bit of regard. He said, if you really want to take this thing from being an expensive hobby mm. to a real business, mm. you got to create some real models, mm. right? You've got to start to think about how doing good can get you paid. Yeah. And doing that was so real, man. And I was just like, wow, like, you're right. Like, this is a real expensive <laughs> hobby right now. Yeah. Like, so I got to start thinking about how this thing can make us some money, how it can generate some revenue. Yep. And that's when it started to hit for me. I see. Yeah. I see. Doing good can get you paid. I just yeah. wanted to repeat that. That was pretty yeah. impactful from my perspective. Um, I wanted to flip to you, Donald, as an angel investor, you know, and your relationship with Substantial Magazine and Greg. Tell me more about your perspective about what you were per perceiving as an investor, you know, with Substantial Magazine and Greg and what that what that process looked like for you. So, you know, angel investors and I didn't really have a full thesis at that time. I've, I've uh, invested. Some have grown 10 times. And some of, uh, if I would have just burned money on Main <laughs> Street, it would have been better because at least I could have put that on YouTube yeah. and, and got some brand recognition, right? Um, so everything, no everything doesn't work out. But in looking at investments, you do look at the dreamer, the leader of the business, because businesses are going to take on different forms and pivots. Typically, the original idea is to put you on a path, right? There's going to be some more, there's going to be some twists and turns. Mm -hmm. And so... Where I've made money is where the team was able to adapt to the market, their idea, and sometimes find something new. And where I've lost money is where people were so dedicated on the how something would work, they lost focus on the outcome, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they had a vision for how something was supposed to happen, and they just couldn't let go of that singular vision. Mm -hmm. uh, and that became a challenge. The other thing I'll add is that at the diversity movement right now, we started raising money from inception because mm -hmm. we didn't, we knew it was going to mm -hmm. take more time, but we had to get proficient at it like any other skill. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we needed to go through the repetitions of talking to people. And so our uh, in, in initial conversations with venture capitalists were very instructive, mm -hmm. even though we were not getting the actual checks or the yeses. Mm -hmm. The positive part that I will say, because I want to be very transparent, is we talked to a lot of folks that gave us really, really good feedback along the way. 
And that feedback informs some of the decision-making. And when we were talking to the VCs, we then took that same structure, that same discipline, that same messaging, coaching prep, Mm-hmm. And we looked like rock stars when we talked to the angel investors. Mm, I see. Like they, they were like, oh my gosh, you are so ready. Because we weren't quite ready for the VC level, but mm-hmm. we, we used it to prepare ourselves mm-hmm. and, and as we grow. Yep. F- from the angel standpoint, it really is about does the dreamer match the goal? But here's the thing, right? Do you see a big enough market to take a chance, mm-hmm. right, on what you're doing? Or do you see enough social impact? that you're willing to be even more patient. Mm. And that was more on Greg's side. Mm. We didn't have a business model that was going to grow into a five, $10 million business like this. Mm-hmm. But what has happened is the impact of what we're doing has created other seeds and different things. So as an angel investor, you got to think about kind of what the win is mm-hmm. and what are the different kinds of win. Yep. With that said, what does a win look like to you? You know, what does a successful return on an investment look like for you? 10 times is really the model. So you put in 100,000, you want to get a million. But if you double your money and you were the first money in for an entrepreneur that just needed a chance to build a prototype Mm. and it's going to take a little bit longer than you anticipate, like that's a win for me too. Mm. Like the reason it's a hard question is because I'm very blessed and fortunate in the things I've done that everything doesn't have to have the same time frame. Mm. Right? And that's Mm -hmm. why angel investing is different from the venture capital. If you invest in a venture capital fund, and I've got some money in, in some of those. They have a five to seven horizon. They have a specific blueprint. And there is a very much a deliberateness mm-hmm. about how they work and how they operate. Mm-hmm. The angel funds have the opportunity to be a little bit more patient with entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and bet a little bit earlier. And, and that's where we needed to, to live a little bit more. So winning return, you know, some of my investments have done 10x, some of it in 5x, and some of it, again, you know, burning money yep. uh, outside as a bonfire. Okay. Uh, so all, all the above. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I want to actually then transition to asking about substantial and like, what does scale look like for you? You know, what is um, your plan for scale with substantial magazine? Like, what does that actually look like? No, that's a great question. And one of the things that we began to do as early as, you know, Donald investing in us Mm -hmm. was to look at how we take uh, what substantial is doing at a very regional, you know, statewide level Mm -hmm. And, and find ourselves in that national conversation as it relates to black media, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do we now begin to structure ourselves as a, for lack of better words, influential or substantial outlet that they can come to for black news in North Carolina, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we've began to successfully do that, right, by finding our tribe, by finding our niche. I can stand before you today and say that we were part of one of the largest, uh, I almost hate saying meta, Right. Like it's still I still ain't got used to that. Like I, I keep wanting to say Facebook, but Meta Journalism Project, uh, founding of the local uh, media associations, uh, BIPOC Publishers Network. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was an opportunity for us to get a be a part of that national conversation and start to scale. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we think scalability for us, right, because we're a digital platform, we're online. Yep. Yep. We started with paper. There's still some folks down in like regional, like rural areas that they're like, hey, you got to bring the print back. You got to bring the print back. Um, But long story short, like scale for us being an online outlet is as simple as our ability to ensure that others know about us. Mm -hmm. So it's all about brand. Right. Mm -hmm. That is what social media has given us the ability to do. Mm -hmm. It is our billboard to the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of trying to figure out unique ways to ensure our content is reaching the uh, our target audiences 
in that space. Mm -hmm. So that scale for me, the other part is, you know, I've been knocking on Revolt's door. I've been knocking on, and I'm hoping that, you know, Diddy and the boys hear this. Like, <laughs> I, I've been knocking on a number of doors to see if there's even a slither of an opportunity that exists for them to say, you know what, man, Substantial got something. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk to you about how we take that something and create that national brand. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, okay. So building off of that, really, uh, from your perspective as a founder, if you were speaking to investors, right, mm -hmm. what are some things that you would advise them on um, for actually engaging with and understanding and investing in underrepresented founders? What kind of advice would you give investors about the things that they should be doing to relate to and understand and partner well with underrepresented founders? Hey, well, first and foremost, I'd tell them to go sit with Donald Thompson. <laughs> right? Seems like and, a good and, and, and get a firm understanding of what it means to be an investor, mm. right? To, to, as I said a few moments ago, not only believe in the dream, but the dreamer, mm -hmm. right? I would also say to them that some things that they probably already know, right? Like mm -hmm. slavery ended four, 400 years ago, mm -hmm. right? But I need everybody to have a firm understanding that only 58 years ago was segregation outlaw in America. And then outside of that, there have been some systematic isms that have exi existed within some systems, right? And I know Donald said, hey, look, understand the hand you've been dealt. But that there are some things that when we sit in spaces as black founders that we don't have the luxury of having had. I think I was talking to some folks in the back of the room and they were talking about, hey, look, when I enter into a space, I don't understand the handshaking that's already took place, mm -hmm. right? I might have got invited. But these folks were part of the inception of, right? That, you know, in some cases, I'll, I'll just share this real quick if I can. For sure. So for I was in sure. Washington, D.C. at uh, an incubator, right? A, a, a small startup incubator. And this was when we were kind of quasi trying to be a tech startup, right? We were like, <laughs> oh, we're an online platform. We're about to be the next Blaverty. Uh, long, long story short. And, and when I tell you imposter syndrome began to kick in mm -hmm. because I'm listening to like, oh, we've already invested a quarter million dollars in X, or mm -hmm. we've already done Y, or this thing has happened, and that mm -hmm. thing has happened. I literally was like, yo, I refuse to even really talk because <laughs> they finna laugh me right out the room in here. Hey, I'm from Eastern North Carolina, and we're a black media publication that looks to, so what have you done? These things, right? Like, we playing with mm -hmm. it. And then I started to think mm. about that thing and said, wow, like, it's okay that I don't get the yes here. Mm -hmm. I'm just awesome to be in the room mm -hmm. right. to listen in on everything that they have done to get the yes mm -hmm. and then go back and figure out how I can, uh, you know, tool up yep. to get the same. So the long winded answer to your question is I would tell investors to take a deeper look. Right. At, at what they have in their portfolios and understand that you can win during good. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that not everything is going to have that very polished. Oh, my God, they've got it all figured out and together. It's like, yo, did you get it mm. all in one swoop? That's a good point. Right. Like, I think somebody said it again in the back. They were like, yeah, self-made is a joke. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. And so who gave you that opportunity? Mm -hmm. Right. Who gave you that that moment? Mm -hmm. That's right. And so that's what I would say to them. And, and know that, man, there's some amazing stuff that's happening. We are nothing less than substantial. No pun it. Like, again, that's my plug. <laughs> like, we are, no, we are nothing less than substantial. And so know that we've, we've got some really awesome ideas and some things that are happening, too. We just need that moment. We need that moment, y'all. 
Because I'm telling you, we have been left out mm -hmm. of so many critical wealth accumulating markets, mm -hmm. real estate, automobile industry, the stock market. Can you imagine if my granddaddy with less than a middle school education, a sharecropper in Halifax County had told me about how to play in the stock market? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be sitting here with y'all. Mm -hmm. Y'all be reading about me, though. Kid investors, y'all out there somewhere. See what I'm saying? Like, so you just got to understand that we may not have started in the same place, but y'all, we are running and we will run because we could. I mean, the alternative is not do it. Think about it. If I am willing to start a company, I am willing to get in front of you and tell you my story, tell you why I need your funding to be vulnerable in that space. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Mm -hmm. At least acknowledge that. And as Donald said, even my act, like, if you can't help me financially, tell me where that next thing going to come from. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right? So the ask ain't always got to be money. It could mm -hmm. be resources. It could be time. Yep. Yep. That's so. a great point. That's a great point. Definitely as uh, currently fundraising myself, a lot of my ask are not actually money, <laughs> although that is likely what I am looking for. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely awesome. understand. Um, on the flip side, Donald, as an investor what would be the advice you would give to uh, founders and community members here with us um, and listening yep. um, about how to effectively communicate and partner with the right investors? Most people want to help you win once they understand your story. Most people aren't against you. They just don't, they don't know your story. Mm -hmm. And so when you shared your story, right, we exchanged numbers. Mm -hmm. And I have a specific investment group I'm going to recommend you to mm -hmm. that I think will be willing to hear your story. Mm -hmm. Because of the no's that I've gotten, I know I got a list of 100, 200 <laughs> investors. <laughs> they don't like this. <laughs> they definitely don't like this. <laughs> but they might like this. But that is a resource. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Right? And so I also described, I said, hey, listen, you can call them. Or because I know them, you send me your stuff, I'll forward it. And I'll, tell, I'll send you directly to the two guys that can up and down what you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. That's how it's faster. So it's not, so before I answer the question of what investors are looking for, it's really, how do you get someone to give you third-party credibility so your email moves up the chain a little bit faster? That's step one. Because a lot of times you're pitching and people are halfway listening, you just don't know. But that power of recommendation is super important. So that's number one in terms of that network effect. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine out of D.C. that is very successful in, in the mortgage industry and the financial industry struggling right now, but used to work in TV and media. And so check with me after. But we were just talking and this, he just started saying, you know what, I'm going to call the CEO chairman of this major media conglomerate. And I was like, <laughs> I said, and then I put Greg Hedgepeth by it. And I didn't say anything to the guy, but he was asking me for something, mm. a discount on something he needs, yeah. right? I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to need you to talk <laughs> yeah. to my man, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Right? Great because the way that. business works, see, when people come and network, and they network, nice to meet you, what you're doing this, oh, man, that's amazing. Networking is a business skill. It's mm. good. Mm -hmm. Right. When I'm listening to people's story, I'm trying to figure out what I can do for them, what they can do for me. What's the connection? Mm -hmm. Right. And so the networking is important. So to answer your question from the investor view, I'm looking for under somebody that understands the pitfalls for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody can tell me how, why it's going to work. I want to know what, if you understand the theater that you're playing in and what are the pitfalls in your business and how you think about overcoming them. I don't need you to have every answer. I actually just want the humility and the acknowledgement 
that your idea is not so amazing that you're going to go from zero to $100 million with no resistance, mm. right? Because I can't bet on that. Mm -hmm. I need you to understand that you know there's going to be some peaks and valleys and that you're an agile thinker of how you're going to maneuver through those. So when I'm listening to your story, it's okay to be super positive. Here's some of the challenges that we're working to overcome in our space. Bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to go into the, the, the depth of, of negative, but I just want to know there's some reality to what you're describing. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel more comfortable. I'm talking to somebody that, that can manufacture and make it. And the second thing when I'm talking to businesses, business ideas, I, I mean, so quick, funny story. So I had someone call me and say, listen, I have this great idea. I'm going to need you to sign an NDA. I'm going to need you to stop talking to me. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm going to need to sign an NDA and you're going to need to pay me this idea so good. I said, I'm going to need to not talk to you. Wow. I said, what do you, I, what do you, what do you mean your idea is so good? I had somebody come to one of my businesses one time. This is a true story. He said, Hey, I want you to help us build a social platform. And I was like, all right, cool. What do you tell me about it? All right. You, you connect with your friends online and then you upload pictures and then you can comment on those pictures and then you can click a button if you approve or disapprove of the con. I said, man, that's not like Facebook. He's like, nah, it's different. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, yo, man. And seriously, and they want us to help us build this app. And they had like a lot of money. And I almost wanted to take their money to help build their app. This is one of my companies that built apps. Like, and my team was like, man, we can't do that. That's bad karma. We need to tell this guy this is a bad idea. I was like, yo, man, this is a bad idea. And he went to another shop, man, and they took his money. Wow. <laughs> they took his money, man. We could have used that. But anyway, everybody, here, every, everybody believes their idea mm -hmm. is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. What does the investor want to know? What's your execution? Mm. Yep. Oh. Your, your idea is not magic. Mm -hmm. And if your idea is magic, then you're talking patents then you're talking uh, intellectual property that mm -hmm. you can protect. That's a different path. Mm -hmm. Most people have an idea that can be duplicated pretty quickly. Yep. So what's your time to market, right? What's your execution path? What's your cost to gain a customer? How are you gonna retain that customer? Yep. Getting a customer, right? That's one step, that's good, you grow. But how are you gonna retain that customer so then my investment makes money now, in the future, and go mm -hmm. forward? So those are some of the questions you have to think about when you're pitching that you just wanna add to that 30 seconds, and then you come across more credible, right, when you're talking about it. You move from the idea to execution quicker, you're gonna get more serious-minded conversation from the people that you're talking to. Mm, that's huge, yeah. That's awesome. One of the things that I've heard related to that is, ideas are not businesses, right? Ideas <laughs> with execution turn into businesses, I think kind of to sum up what you just said. Um, so I think both of you all, spoke a bit about, you know, resources um, as a huge part of mm -hmm. this fundraising journey, right? So I think maybe one or two came up as you spoke, but I'll put the question to you first, Greg. Can you name some very specific resources for founders and community members and listeners uh, that they might could use and leverage to effectively fundraise as underrepresented founders? Oh, man, that's a great question. And I think they already are plugged into one of them, right? Like your ecosystem, where you are right now is, I mean, think about Black Wall Street. I, I just recently had a conversation with Kevin Price with the Institute for Minority Economic Development. And we talked about like this notion of revitalizing Durham with black businesses and this notion of thriving black businesses in this space. I'll share, of course, one that you and I 
uh, were a part of that you announced, mm -hmm. right? NC Ideas, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Which is also right here in Durham in this space, in this ecosystem. That's right. Uh, there are tons of opportunities Huge. to leverage free money, y'all. I need y'all to understand that. Like leveraging free money. Yeah, go out and do your asking. But these programs are geared toward and designed to help you with that in such a way where it's more of an application ask process than it is that 30 seconds or a minute and a half standing in front of an investor and sweating, hoping that they're going to not laugh you out the room, right? And they give you feedback. And so mm -hmm. that cohort that we were a part of not only helped us financially, but it also helped us from a networking perspective. Mm -hmm. And it also helped us with resources like creating forecasting models, mm -hmm. knowing what that cost per customer is. Mm -hmm. yep. Like those were really helpful pieces for me. Um, and then just really, again, I go back to it. Like we've, uh, uh, with the help of Donald and his advice, I'll never forget this. He goes, hey, look, if the money ain't coming right now from the target audience, where else can it come from? Mm. Like, how are you diversifying your revenue streams? Mm. And we immediately start to think about, like, because of this business, what other dot can we plot to create mm -hmm. a very pretty picture? Mm -hmm. Right? How can we still be playing in this local media, black media space storytelling, but in a way that might be a little different in delivery than it initially was? Mm -hmm. Ah, branded content. Mm. Let's go out and sell to businesses the idea of creating stories for their brands. Mm -hmm. And so it's not also only in what, you know, folks can do for you, but what you can do for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would just share, like, from a resource perspective, again, not to be long-winded, the NC Ideas program was mm -hmm. a huge one for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we are uh, doing some work with the Google Newsroom initiative right now. But, of course, Google has a number of things and spaces that they play around in. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And so I would say look into that as well. Dope, dope. Two of those that he named, NC Idea, Google for Startups, are also resources for myself as well. Yes. Uh, so huge. And I second both of those. Uh, before we wrap up, I also, Donald, wanted to give you a chance um, from that investor perspective as well. What are some resources that you would name for our audience? So you and Greg hit the resources. I'll do this really quickly. I think pitch competitions mm -hmm. are really important mm -hmm. because you have the opportunity to win, but you get mentors networking through them. Um, we just went through one because I'll tell you the theory and then I'll tell you some stuff like that we're doing and learning as, as founders. Atlanta is one of the markets that we want to go after. So that's another thing. If you have a particular market, then you want to find angels and competitions in that market. So you're networking intentionally. And uh, we came in second at a pitch competition with Thai Atlanta, which is a pretty large investment group there. But what's powerful is they, through the being in the top uh, 10, mm -hmm. uh, before we ended up uh, being second place, we got coaches mm -hmm. to get ready for the final pitch presentation. One of our coaches was from Morgan Stanley. One mm -hmm. of our coaches was a angel and investment fund uh, managing partner, right, locally. Mm -hmm. So then through those wow. two networks, right, now I'm going back in October to an event I was invited to with other VCs in the area. So we are very proud that we came in second. Our invest, the investment is going to be $125,000 to $150,000. We are excited about that. We're a small business, right? But the contacts from going through that process mm. are probably going to be worth multi-million dollars to us in terms of investment and customer. So create those resources by putting yourself in a position, right, through those competitions those ecosystems then become a part of the win. And mm. so I, I recommend doing that. I, we have a lot of ways to kind of accelerate your bootstrap mindset, if that makes sense, mm. because we had to figure out how we were gonna grow and thrive yep. while our business matured enough to be ready for more structured capital. 
and, and we're almost there. But those are a couple of things that I'd recommend. Awesome. Those are great. And this has been a great experience. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you, Black Founders Exchange um, and audience for being here. This has been the Equity Raise podcast from American Underground in Durham, North Carolina, presented by the Diversity Movement. We are going to continue these conversations uh, to truly make a difference in the investor and startup community. And this was a great way for us to make progress on that tonight. So again, thank you all for that. This podcast was edited and produced by Airfluence. Thank you all very much as well. Um, and again, I'm Desmond McDaniel, um, and we will see you again on the Equity Raise podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. Woo. Good stuff, man. Awesome.